0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Startup Diary podcast. Have you ever dealt with these cheap, horrible, difficult customers? Well, there's other sides to the customers and you need to identify who they are and how to sell to them. We cover all this off in today's episode. Enjoy.
1: Hey guys, and welcome to episode 311 of the Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge and I am with my co-host, Adam Kellogg. Hey guys,
0: thanks for joining us. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, this is where me and Harry share what it's truly like to build a small business. We've bootstrapped it, we've raised seed funding and then raised some venture capital and we make mistakes every day. And this is here to share these mistakes with you so you don't make them too. Hey, what episode number was this? 311. I have a fun fact for you, sir, oh, about damn. 311. Did you know that 311 is an American rock band from Omaha, Nebraska? The band was formed in 1988 by vocalist and guitarist Nick Hexham. and because it was formed so long ago, and I've never heard of them, I presumed that they were no longer around. But if you quickly check out their discography, I think that's how you say it. They've released They're
1: smashing out hit after hit, still. an album this year called oh my Voyager. God.
0: If you want to go and check that out, guys, 311 Voyager. This episode was not sponsored by them, but that was fun fact of the day. If you can send in some fun facts for upcoming numbers like Stephen May did in 309, we'd hugely appreciate it because I waste too much of my day Googling this stuff to try and find them. Correct. Today, what are we talking about, Adam? Well, today's a follow-up to the sales training we've been doing. So if you're new to the show today, go back and listen to the previous, I believe it's the last two Wednesdays, but I could be incorrect. Yeah. Is that about right? That's correct. Cool. So what we've been doing with our community of trade professionals, we class them as accidental business owners, is basically giving them the tools that they need to basically do marketing more efficiently and how to sell on value compared to price. Because the industry we're in, they're really racing to the bottom and we want to make sure these guys earn a good wage for a good day's work. So
1: in the past, what things have we covered off, Harry? We have covered off how to qualify your customer. That was in 308. Uh, And we also did how to sell your product or service. Um, Title's a bit vague, can't remember what that was. Uh, But we also did uh, smart goals as well. So we did smart goals to start with Mm
0: -hmm. and we've done qualifications and we also went into fabs, features, advantages and benefits. And that's all about selling your product on benefits and not features, that's where you actually get conversions. That's where professional salespeople sell because people don't buy your features, they buy the benefits, what's in it for them. So, H, today we have an interesting one. It's probably going to be a bit shorter, but this is all about identifying your customers. So, we believe there's four different customer types. And the goal of this is as a sales professional, when we're speaking to a customer, we're looking to identify who this customer is, how they think, because that will change the path that we go down Mm -hmm. of how we're trying to get a sale at the end of this journey. Yep. So... Let's cover off the four customer types. And the goal of this is we're going to throw some ideas around about what they sound like. For you listening to this right now, if you've got a business, start to think about your specific product and what your customers today sound like and try and bracket them into these four channels. The goal of this as we go through our sales training is you create a unique selling path for each one of those customers. The benefits, the features, the advantages, because each of these customer types care about different things. And it's making sure we only speak to the customers about what they care about and not just rifling through every feature of your mm-hmm. product and hoping mm-hmm. one of them sticks. So H, imagine we've got a piece of paper, okay? Oh, yeah. And we're going to fold that piece of paper in half and half again, so mm-hmm. we've got four quarters. So if you're if you at a position right now and you listen to this, go and do that. Just get a piece of paper. Pull the van over. Pull the van over. Get the notepad out. Get the pen Just a out. hard left now. No <laughs> indication. Please ignore <Just> <laughs> So the first type of customer, H, is a cheap customer. And we're going to put that in the top left-hand side of this Mm -hmm. page. Okay. I
1: feel like you're looking at me this time. (laughs) So we're going
0: to speak about a cheap customer. Mm -hmm. So give me an idea. What does a
1: cheap customer sound like? What are they saying? What are the indications? Price sensitive. Mm, That sounds expensive. That I'm not liking the cost of that product. Can you do it cheaper? That's the thing. So these are the customers that come in and say,
0: straight off the bat, how much is it? Mm. They don't even, at this point in time, they don't even know what you do. They're just (laughs) saying, well, how much is this going to cost me? So Mm. initial identifier is how much, like we go straight into price. Don't even take the time to understand the value that you can give to me so I can associate a value to it in my head. I just want to know pounds and pence, how much is going to cost me? I go straight to the price. These are the customers that tend to do a lot of shopping around and they're extremely demanding and don't Mm. really appreciate the value that you're driving. So like, Give me another idea What else is an
1: indicator Of a A cheap customer uh, I'm just lingering around price But I guess uh, Would they ask for options Or What's the I don't know I feel, I feel like price is the main thing If, someone, if someone's cheap It's just the cost or they want to get as much for the money as possible, can you throw in any extras for free?
0: Well, the options thing is an interesting one is when you, normally when you tell the price, they're like, oh, okay, is there a cheaper option? It doesn't actually come down to price, Mm. but they always, you're right, they always try and take the conversation down another path of how can I get this thing cheaper? So the top left-hand corner of this is a cheap customer. Okay, so we know what they sound like now. Mm -hmm. Okay, bottom left-hand corner on this bit of paper, a difficult customer, Mm. okay? So give me an idea of what you think a difficult customer sounds like.
1: So I would assume the difficult customer is, uh, it's hard hard to explain it in like a sales sense, but I guess- Ignore sales right now. I guess they want to know every detail, every every bit that goes into the service that you're selling. They want to understand why they're going to have to pay what you're asking them for. They may not be necessarily- that They may not say that something that sounds expensive, but when you say it's going to cost 1,500 quid, they're probably like, okay, so where is my money actually going? What is going in your pocket? How much are you paying for materials? Or, or what are your costs versus how much I'm paying you sort of thing? 100%. Yeah,
0: I really like that explanation. So a difficult customer is the sort of person that that wakes up <laughs> in a bad mood and just wants to make your day worse. Like they're the sort of person that goes, I am not happy with my life. And if you are speaking to me, trying to sell to me, I'm going to bring you down to my level of unhappiness. Mm. And they just have this like aura around them of just negativity and just you, like I own you, Mr. Salesperson. I'm pointing at Harry fairly aggressively. And I want to know every penny of why I'm paying for it and how much you earn from it and Mm. what your net profit margins are and how much you take home when you went on holiday because I'm
1: paying you. They are difficult customers. Um, one thing that jumped to mind, and it probably isn't relevant because you hopefully would have qualified your customer first. Oh, throwback. Um, but I know, just speaking from my own experience, if someone's trying to sell to me, I probably become a difficult customer because I'm probably not in the right mindset to necessarily buy or don't like being sold to like that. Mm-hmm. So I turn into a difficult customer would is that something to expect because you're trying to push something on someone, or would you would you avoid a difficult customer by pre qualifying them? So, really, really good
0: point. And um, I know some inside baseball here because I know you. I actually don't think that you fit under the difficult customer category. I think in your head right now you think you are. I think you fall into the next category.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's what that's what I mean. I probably I probably become difficult because I don't want to be sold to. I'm not. I'm not buying right now. Maybe agree. And this yeah. is why it's so important to
0: identify your customers. Mm because you fit into our next category, but by someone trying to sell to you too aggressively and not identifying that, is they miss their opportunity. They get your guard up. And we'll we'll go into that in a second, but it's a really, really good point. So just to recap that, difficult customer, bottom left-hand side of this page, we've got page, paper, folded up twice and twice, in quarters, top left, cheap. Bottom left, difficult, okay? Mm -hmm. Both sides of that page don't really value what you do, Okay. okay? They're the types of customers we're trying to avoid, but naturally we're going to, they're gonna appear in our sales cycle and a lead to lead, a, prospect's a prospect to mm-hmm. prospect, we need to try and close the business. The right-hand side of this piece of paper is where we wanna focus our time and attention. And the top right-hand side is a sophisticated customer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so most people blend the two. Most people think a difficult customer and a sophisticated customer are the same thing. Yep. And there's an ever-growing rise of sophisticated customers because of the internet. If, if we yep. go back, I don't really know my knowledge around car supermarkets and online selling, but uh, you used to go to buy a car and you used to walk onto the car lot and you saying, oh shit, I need to come and speak to the sales guy because I want to know like uh, what this car comes mm-hmm. with, what the features, what the benefits. Like what's the the miles per gallon, all this stuff. The only way I'm going to get any of this information is speaking to the rep that's on the fork. He's the knowledge base. Mm -hmm. I need to speak to him, which means I kind of need to take his word for everything and Mm. trust him. And that's where this whole uh, feeling like a car salesman thing came Mm. in because it's like, shit, I don't want to go and speak to him, but he's the the knowledge. I need to go and try and find a guy that I trust. That's all changed now. Mm. Like majority of customers, when they're buying, they go in knowing exactly what they want and this is why I just mentioned that comment about you is my opinion of you when you're buying, you've already done your research. Yeah. So the way that you deal with a sophisticated customer is never ever pressure sell them because they are often in a longer buying cycle because they're doing research. Yeah. Sophisticated customers do research on their products and they know a lot of information. And a lot of people get the guard up uh, when they're speaking to a sophisticated customer because it's as if they're trying to challenge you on your knowledge. The way that you deal with a sophisticated customer is add to their knowledge base and give them time to think and buy. So let's just say, give me an example of what you've just bought, a a recent purchase. Uh, uh,
1: I think I've mentioned it before, but obviously I recently recently bought a new camera. Um, But obviously that wasn't I knew I wanted to get one, but obviously my, like you say, the cycle of me buying that was probably a month, maybe a little longer, just because I started looking into it, got a little more interested in in investing into a new piece of equipment, Uh, then settled on probably the make and model that I wanted. But then I did more research to make sure that that decision was the right one long-term. So I'd kind of, (laughs) I figured out what I wanted, but then spent probably another three weeks confirming that that was the right decision yep. before then making the purchase. I even went into a store and I think, I, again, I think I've already told the story, but I went into a store and spoke to someone at the camera store. I wanted to hold the camera. I just wanted to, because that's the one thing you can't do online is feel it and hold it and know what it's yep. like to use. Um, and I would have been interested to see or know if he could have potentially sold me on that. Because I wasn't necessarily going to, I, I didn't buy it that day. Cause, but that was one step further down the line of just like knowing whether I really wanted it or not. But I would have been interested to know if he could have got the sale Because the problem he had was he just presented me with the camera and told me everything that I already knew about it. Yep. And I was like, yeah, I, I just gave him the polite nod courtesy, now. I'm thinking nod. like, yeah, I, I don't need you right now because you're not adding any value to me. The value I'm getting right now is just by holding it and you're the only one that will let me try different lenses on. So keep the keys nearby. That that was the only benefit he was to Well, me. he made the biggest mistake as a salesperson. He didn't, he didn't identify what mm. type of customer
0: you were. Yeah. And if he'd known that you'd done all your research, like he should have flipped that round on you and be like, Harry, H, big H, like you clearly know rapport he, building well, here. Well, you thing- clearly know your stuff about this camera.
1: Like tell me this stuff that you can't find online that I can help you with the the problem. Was is he didn't even know what he didn't he didn't know that I knew anything about it. He reeled off the specs first. What he should have done is asked me why I was even looking at the camera, because it's a two grand camera. That's not like an impulse purchase. Like, oh, you're looking for a, something to take family pictures. He should have at least just asked me why I'm buying it, because then I probably would have told him that it's for work purposes. Yeah. So he would have known that I'm on a on the um higher end of the spectrum when it comes to like a premium seller as well so a premium buyer so he, he could be like thinking cha-ching we're gonna make a sale here but he didn't he felt the first hurdle. and if,
0: if I'm dealing with someone like you and I go oh so you're a creative you're doing this for work listen I don't wanna like you've probably done your research Harry in terms of like everything you can find online Like tell me this stuff that you're in here today, is it Mm. just a touch and feel it? And then what I'm gonna try and do, because it's very transactional, because that product is the same wherever you buy it from. Like that company's gonna go out of business unless they work out how to Mm. do value-add product. If you look at someone like Curry's and PC World, like they launched something called Know How, because everyone can go in and touch and feel a new laptop mm-hmm. and then go away, Google it online and find it cheaper. Uh, so what they do is know how it's a value-add service. It's the service part of the business. It's will install your antivirus software, will yep. check. Halfords, WeFit as an example. So Halfords, you go in to Halfords, you want a bulb? Cool, I'll scan the bulb get it on Amazon get it delivered next day Mm. and it's like 25% cheaper so they launched something called WeFit which is their service based business because you can't buy that online Mm. I'm lazy
1: it's a a, a pain in the ass to change a uh, a headlamp but you're going to do it if you've saved like an extra few quid
0: so it's moving from like DIY to this called mm. DIFM which is do it for me model Yeah. so that industry that camera industry probably under a load of pressure and mm. pain right now is how yeah. do they add more value to their customers especially when a lot of them are sophisticated mm. so you can do the research and get transactional you're basically using them as a showroom and then you can go buy online which is exactly what yeah. you did so massive pain point with that industry but he needed to identify the type of customer mm-hmm. you had to work out how to add value and again never give pressure Okay. Never yeah. give pressure to a sophisticated buyer because they've got their own buying cycle in their head. Mm. The way that you win over a sophisticated customer is make them leave smarter than when they came in mm. So if someone comes to me and goes, oh, we wanted high expert trades for social media marketing for our for our brand, I go, great, cool. And, they go, and then I go, oh, we know at the moment we're getting conversion rates at this, this, and this, we want to tweak it. I already know they're super sophisticated. Mm. Like The level of knowledge that they have is higher than normal, so I need to make sure if I'm trying to win that business is I make them feel these guys know more than me. Mm. There's something that I don't know, and I'll pay them for that. And that's if you're good at what you do, that's what you're... That's how you close business. Um, does that make sense? Really yep. good example yep. with, your, with your camera stuff, by the way. So that's the top right-hand customer. That's the sophisticated customer. And don't blend them with difficult, okay? Someone that is sophisticated has done research and they are very, very likely to be making a purchase in the near future. Don't try and speed mm. it up. Just make yourself the person that made them smarter and they will come back to you. That's how you win a sophisticated customer mm. over.
1: Yeah, l- just leave them with a lasting impression because then... Because like in my case, for example, if, the, if they, like you said, educated me a bit more and shown that they weren't just a, a sales clerk behind the yep. counter and it's like, wow, they know their stuff, it would have given me more reason to think, I'm probably going to buy it from here because if I have any issues or I have any more questions, I can come back here. Whereas I just went to a faceless online shop instead.
0: Yeah. So you might have saved, I don't know, like a uh, hundred quid, 200 quid or something like mm. that by buying it online. Whereas if you're like, listen, H, I'll be really honest with you. Like, I know online you can probably buy this a little bit cheaper. But I really enjoy what I do. And if you've got any questions in the future, like, you can come in. And whether it's me or any of the account staff, we're super knowledgeable. So when you buy this camera from us, you're really just buying our time. So when you want to get better at your camera, Mm. come in, speak to us, and we'll train you as much as we can. Like, that's where we're taking Mm -hmm. the conversation away from price and trying to drive it onto value. Yep. Uh, and then for you, that's really valuable. It's like, listen, especially with your job as a creative, if something goes wrong, you need a replacement like yeah. now. Like that's one of the benefits that we do here is we've got a really big stock quantity at the back. If you're on a shoot and your camera goes down, we'll give you a replacement for a day mm-hmm. and we'll go and get a service for you. That's where we drive yep. value in our business. That's the sort of stuff yeah. that these people need to be thinking about. But there was no indication to that. <laughs> that sales yeah. needs fire. Yeah, yeah. Um Cool, last customer type. Affluent. What do you think about when I I mentioned this at the ESPET Trades Day? When I say affluent,
1: what do you think? Baller.
0: Baller. Rich. Uh, Okay.
1: Yeah. um, Dollar bills. Price isn't an obstacle, um, but I guess it can be kind of misinterpreted as willing to spend on anything, which I don't think is true. Completely agree. I think someone that's affluent is obviously smart with their money, (laughs) hence why they are affluent. Um, But again, I think it's probably just along the lines of you need to justify the price, but not like oh not itemize it like you would with a difficult customer but just give them the value of like it's this it's this much which is kind of pricey but you're getting the value that we're offering
0: yeah john i i'm definitely not the cheapest heating engineer in birmingham Mm -hmm. but here's where we separate ourselves and driving the value home a couple of things with affluent customers um so like you say, they, they look after the pennies because the pounds look after mm-hmm. themselves. Like they got wealthy for a reason. They know how to look after money. What they tend to do is be cash rich and time poor, okay? Mm. So I, as a wealthy individual, I will be happy to pay more because I want things a little bit quicker than the average person, okay? I want some prioritization here, tends to be. Or I'm willing to pay a premium to get things done quicker. Secondly, is they tend to use words like feel, uh, so they tend to be emotional about things. So if you think about uh let's go and buy let's go and buy a Lamborghini, okay? So we're gonna go and buy a new uh not Lamborghini, I don't really like Lamborghinis, Tesla's. Okay, let's go and buy a new Tesla. Mm. Okay, so we're going to the Tesla Showroom uh, and that that showroom salesperson needs to identify what sort of customer this is. Is this a, a sophisticated customer that's buying it for the long term savings of electricity compared to fuel? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or is this someone that's just affluent who just wants to drive a Tesla because he knows it goes naught to 60 in three seconds or whatever it is? Jamie Fisher's head's exploding right now because I don't know the data. Uh, So why are they buying? (laughs) So is it data-driven or is Mm -hmm. it emotional? Like, as soon as you identify that customer, it's like, have you you been in one of these before? Take it for a spin and they'll start, this feels Mm -hmm. really nice. Like, what color do you want it in? It's about appearance, it's about look, it's about feeling feel. I want to feel good in this car. I don't care about the price tag. I don't care about how many brake horsepower it's got. I just want it to feel good. Mm-hmm. So the way that we translate this down to for a heating engineer as an example um, is a great example came up uh, when we're doing this. We do this exercise for, for the plumbers and the heat engineers who work the Expert Trades Live and I think everyone listening to this should think about this too is what examples have you come across when someone has bought not and the conversation has been nowhere near price and you got a relative, relatively fast sale. So an example came up, which was, I, th- I feel like my boiler is on its last legs. There's no indication that it's <laughs> that it's broken. It's It's been in for 10 years. I feel like it's probably gonna go. Mm. As soon as someone used the it's a really interesting word. It's an emotional cue that they're not thinking about price. They're thinking about other things. Families around at Christmas and they've just got this concern that, hold on, my boiler's mm. 10 years old. Like what happens if the family's at seven, over seven days uh, and the boiler goes down? I feel that this is could be a nightmare waiting mm. to happen. Like little keywords like that on an emotional side tends to identify this customer is not price driven, it's emotion. And and um, we have to stereotype. And just so you know, like we, as a salesperson, we stereotype because... They're called stereotypes for a reason. They work as a persona, where you have to like allocate people into these buckets. When people start to think about emotional words and cues, that's an identifier that this person is value-driven, not price-driven. And that's when you really need to just sell on the relationship, on the value, and the speed as a bracket in terms of this is what tends to work, is these people want it done now.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. One question I have then is, and I it probably changes depending on the industry that you work in but what but my question would be how do you what's the quickest way or what's the right questions to ask to in the shortest amount of time to understand what type of customer they are again is it, does it go back to pre qualifying or if you've got like a face to face like the like the salesman on the show floor like they obviously must have a certain few questions to really understand what someone's Uh, buying type is Harry it's as if you know what
0: we're going to be recording and publishing (laughs) next Wednesday you mentioned qualifying customers and this is going to be a great idea for people when you qualify customers uh, and go back and listen to that episode you need to make sure that you're qualifying your customers and they are great indicators when you start to listen for these customer types how they respond the words that they Mm. say and how they deal with you on the phone, if it's a phone qualification, that will help you identify these people. So on next Wednesday show, we're walking people through how to do questioning. Like as a sales professional, you should be asking more than you're talking, Mm -hmm. how to use questioning to move people through the process of building rapport, taking them to this aspirational stage of like, what does your life look like? So this is where on next Wednesday show, we're gonna be taking people through the four key points of questioning to help people from everything from building rapport, identifying the problem, making that problem as big as possible in the customer's Mm -hmm. mind, and then showing what their life will look like when you've solved that problem. Throughout that process, you'll very quickly identify the type of customer and that should change how you deal with them for the rest
1: of that sales process. Like it. So we shall leave it there, guys. If you have any questions on what we call, what was this called by the way? Is it like a matrix? Have we got a name for the, the four corners? Yeah, we're going to find something clickbaity, which
0: this is what this is. This is identifying customer types, but we need like a clickbaity title. Uh, But
1: we'll work that out. And
0: if you listen to this right now, what you're seeing is the best we could come up with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, if you have any questions on the best we can come up with, you can email them startupdiary at nbs.net fm that email address
0: again is startup
1: diary at
0: nbs.fm we can't wait to be launching our new shows to the nbs network this is where we get to share real talk for our listeners thanks so much for listening to the show if you have not yet hit that subscribe button hit it and stay tuned for friday's episode